EHH Productions presents KB Cabaret, an original variety show, with your host, Bree Harvey. Hi folks, and welcome to KB Cabaret. My name is Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of this show. KB Cabaret is a calabaloo of original skits, songs, poetry, and short stories. What's calabaloo, you ask? Magic, from a child's creative imagination. I was five when I coined that word, and it's been around my family ever since. The settings originate from my hometown, Parlor City. And the stories originate from Names, people. characters, places, and incidents either are products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events or locales or persons, living or dead, is entirely coincidental. Thank you, Bonnie. That, folks, was obviously my lawyer. Starring my friends, the Parlor City Players. Judy McMahon, Bonnie DeForest, Charles Berman, John Carey, John Montgomery, myself, Bree Harvey. Welcome to our town. Welcome to Parlor City, where our friends come, come out to play. When neighbors don't leave, they stay and chat a while. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. This week on KB Cabaret, we are happy to present an interview with Aaron Jonah Lewitz, as well as a selection of his music. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. Mornings are a special time for me. My rituals are simple. A good cup of coffee, soft classical music, and a little daily feature in our local newspaper called Advice with Granny Ada. Dear Granny Ada, for two years now, my cousin Sheila and Beatrice have taken it upon themselves to control the family gift-giving. They said we spend too much money on presents, always trying to outdo each other. Well, three years ago, for example, Uncle Arnie went a little crazy and bought one of his nephews a Harley. We agreed that no matter what, $50 was the limit. (laughs) I thought putting boundaries on gift-giving was crazy, but I went along with it. However, yesterday was the last straw. It was my daughter's 12th birthday, and she received some very shoddy gifts— Aside from some cheap paperback books, she got a doll that wasn't even a brand name, and a few blouses that looked like they came from a discount store, and a coloring book with a box of 20 crayons. (laughs) Really? My kid deserves more than that. I always made a scene, but I didn't want to embarrass my daughter. She pretended she was thrilled, but I could tell she was disappointed. Granny Ada, I feel like calling a family conference and tell them they're all all cheap so-and-sos should i i am at my wit's end trying to figure out why they couldn't even spring for a box of 100 crayolas is that too much to ask signed a dollar short and a day late dear short how delightful crayons and paperbacks indeed how petty after all is it too much to ask for a Hardback, first edition? You should actually write the ultimate guide for gift-giving, titling it Greater Expectations with a subtext of entitlement. By all means, have a family conference. Let them know how you feel. After all, you deserve better. In fact, why don't you create a gift registry at your favorite department store, spa, or travel agency? Heck, go for all three. Of course, make sure your daughter is there so that she can learn to be as self-serving and as righteous as her mother. After all, you are the epitome of good parenting behavior. I hope this was the answer you expected, because the real answer is to grow up, dear. A gift should come from the heart and not with a price tag. You should teach your daughter to cherish even the smallest of presents, Sometimes a poem or donating to a charity means more than a boatload of meaningless offerings. Thank you for writing, honey, and have a good day. Granny Ada.
anybody home? Ladies and gentlemen, Parlor City chef extraordinaire Beulah Deschamps calling from Stockholm, Sweden. <gasps> so you have arrived. Oh, yes, dear. I have arrived. My cousin Julia and her husband picked me up at the airport. I'm staying with them. They are just wonderful. I'm so excited to see them after all these years. How long has it been? Well, when we were children, really. My parents brought me here every other year, at least from when I was about five to my 16th year. I didn't realize it's been that long. And let me tell you, I forgot how overwhelmingly beautiful this city is. I have seen pictures. Oh, pictures just don't do this area justice. Its history dates back to the Stone Ages. The architecture is amazing and so colorful. And Brie, everything is so noticeably clean you could eat off the sidewalks. <laughs> well, I wouldn't suggest that, Beulah. Well, you know what I mean. The Swedish pride themselves on green energy. I heard the place is very energy-friendly. Stockholm is the best city in terms of freedom from pollution. It's surrounded by 219 nature reserves, 1,000 green spaces over 30% of the city's area. I hope we are learning from their methods. Oh, I hope so, too. The hours here are a little funky, though, which I completely forgot about. What do you mean, funky? Well, in the winter, the daylight is shorter. For instance, today, the sun rose at 8 and sets at 4 in the afternoon. I remotely remember reading about this. Daylight in the summer is different, isn't it? Oh, yes. From early May until late August, sun sets around midnight and rises again at around 4 in the morning. In this country, the periods of constant sunshine last up to six months of a year. That's that's 20 hours of sunshine. <laughs> oh, wow, that will cure my seasonal defective disorder. <laughs> Absolutely, Bree. Although the daylight lasts only eight hours, the Nordic winter sky is among the most beautiful things I've ever seen. The sun sets earlier, the dusk lasts longer, offering incredible shades of oranges, pinks, blues and purples over the whole city. It's a magnificent sight, worth coming here during the winter. How cold is it there? Well, really, it's not so bad. It's in the 30s right now, and we'll get lower after the sun sets. My cousin Julia and her husband Oscar shared their secret to staying warm. Really? And what is their secret? Glog tastings. Glog tasting? <laughs> they have little glog tasting cafes, well, which is how I call them anyway, all around the area. Glog is basically mulled wine. Oh. We go to a place called Helfried. It's owned by a lively little old man. He always makes sure to serve you one glass of glog after another, <laughs> together with the Swedish traditional gingerbread biscuits, pepper while entertaining you with stories and secrets about this delicious drink. I'm sending you the recipe for Glog and the gingerbread biscuits. Oh, wonderful. You know, Breed, they even have a special word for cafe life, of, you know, just sitting around with Glog or coffee, eating sweets, and chatting with friends. Really? And what is that? <laughs> Fika. Fika. How wonderful. All part of the culture. Just taking the time for relaxing conversation, an art that some have lost. You know, so many people are in a hurry or just focus on machines for conversation. <laughs> I hear you there, Beulah. Well, not for me, thank you very much. And do you know where I'm going tomorrow? Where? I am taking a cooking course with celebrity chefs Adam Dahlberg and Albin Westman. Really? Oh, what a great idea. Well, it was Oscar's idea. He is the head chef in one of the restaurants here. Adam Dahlberg and Albin Westman are famous in Sweden. They are modern, creative chefs and have put a twist on Swedish cuisine. Hmm. And lucky for me, they have opened up a food studio teaching professional cooking techniques they use in the kitchens for the freshest seafood, meat, and seasonal vegetables. The course starts off with champagne and snacks, along with an introduction to the ingredients they'll be using in the course. 
Oh, what a great way to spend a vacation there. I know. Well, dear, I have to go. There is so much to see and do. I want to savor every moment. I understand. Julia and Oscar have invited me to go to see Jose Gabriel Gonzalez. He's an Argentinian-Swedish indie folk singer-songwriter. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Have a wonderful time. I will. Oh, Bree, did you get my downloads for the two recipes I sent? Yes, both for the glog and the gingerbread recipes. They're downloaded to your recipe site. Great. Ta, I'll try to call from the cruise ship next week. I don't know how the reception will be. Cruise ship? The last leg of my tour, dear. Oh. I'm taking a Mediterranean cruise and then flying home to the States. <laughs> how time flies. Mm, indeed. Well, I'm off. Goodbye, dear. Bye, Beulah. What a wonderful adventure. I will post Beulah's recipes on her recipe bar. You can find these and Beulah's other amazing recipes exclusively on KB Cabaret's app. Just go to kbcabaret.com. That's K-B-K-A-B-A-R-E-T dot com and download yours today. Here in studio with Aaron Jonah Lewis. Our interview is via phone because he's driving from one gig to the other in the rain, eating a pretzel, from what I understand. <laughs> he is the founder of Corn Potato String Band. Uh, he is a songwriter, singer. He has several other bands along with this. Predominantly, from most of the bands that you have, you, are, you would consider yourself American folk, country? Yeah, I... I'm a fiddle player and a banjo player, and I, I follow fiddle and banjo music wherever it may take me. Well, you follow your heart and the road. Follow my heart, follow the road, follow my ears, follow my nose. <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes I get pulled in, in more than one direction. I mean, when did you start writing music? I, I started playing music when I was really young. I got fascinated by a full-size viola that my grandfather brought as a gift when I was three years old. Mm. I was much too small to play it, but I couldn't stop touching it and, and looking at it and saying, I want to play it, I want to play it. As my parents say, when I was old enough to stand still, I got started on violin lessons and kept playing violin with the Suzuki method from the time I was about five into high school, and I taught myself guitar when I was about 11 or 12. I just wanted to play Beatles songs, and then, you know, after high school, I kind of got into bluegrass, and from there, I got into all kinds of other things, old-time music, jazz band music, early jazz, klezmer music, getting into experimental and improvisational music, other kinds of folk music from all over the world, traveling a lot, playing shows a lot. I got hooked on the collaboration that you get to have with playing lots of different music with lots of different people, just endlessly learning new licks, learning new tunes, hearing new sounds, getting involved with different scenes. I feel like music is kind of like your key. It's my key for entry into many different worlds. And I, I get to, I feel like I have the privilege of stepping in and out of various pools of, uh, of musical music making and, and art and, and dance and, uh, and, and love and food and, and everything. It's, it's all, it's a, it's a great way to experience the world and it's pretty much all I, all I really know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was not born to be a scientist or mathematician. I was born to be a writer and a musician and I know how that feels. You, you know instinctively when you're young what you want to do. So what we're going to be listening to first is Route 77, which I, I, I love that song. I mean, love all your songs, actually, because I was binge listening to your music. So tell me about Route 77. Uh, you were traveling somewhere with that, uh, that you ins were inspired to write this song? You, you got it. That's, that's why it was called Route 77. I was in Finland uh -huh. with my band. I had a five-piece Western swing band called the the Froggy Mountain Boys. Uh. We were based in Berlin. I lived in Berlin for a few years, Berlin, Germany. And those guys came from France and from Germany, and there was another American in the band. And the first time that 
that name came about, it was really funny. I was playing with the two French guys just as a trio. We had a pickup gig. We were just playing at some restaurant. Somebody came by and said, uh, what, what are you guys called? And, you know, we said, well, we don't really have a band name. We're just some friends. We just have this gig. But I was playing the banjo, and these guys are French, so I said, we're the Froggy Mountain Boys, which is a joke that only I could really understand because the French guys didn't know about bluegrass, really. You know, they, they didn't know about Earl Scruggs and the Froggy Mountain Boys. So I, I thought it was really funny. Nobody else really seemed to care. But then about a year later, we had this jam session with those two guys and myself and the German guy and the other American guy, and it was just magic. And we said, guys, we have to start a band. This is so good. And they said, Aaron, you have to be the band leader. We're going to do the Western swing music that you love so much. And we're going to call ourselves the Froggy Mountain Boys. And they said, no way. No, that's, that's a joke band name. That's, and the guy said, too late. I already booked us a gig. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> so, great. Well, it's a so, catchy uh, name, actually. We made an album. that The album is called Route 77. But the recording that you have... Is uh, and, and so that that Froggy Mountain Boys recording is available on Bandcamp. Okay, and I'm really proud of it. But the recording that I sent you was from the Corn Potato String Band. When we started the Corn Potato String Band, we rearranged that song for two banjos. Mm-hmm. So the original recording with Froggy Mountain Boys was neon banjo. Uh, there was a clarinet player, there was a fiddle player, uh, a guitar player, and a bass player. And it's really hot. The whole album is. I'm very proud of it, but we're no longer playing together since I'm back in the U.S. And, you know, one of the guys moved back to France and everyone's kind of split up. But I am still playing with the Corn Potato String Band. Another very catchy title to a band, yeah. All right, so let's listen to Route 77. sweater, I'll kill myself. Ah, hang in there. Only a few more hours till quitting time. Oh, finally, a live one. Wait, don't pounce on the customers. You look desperate. I am desperate. Just count to 20. 
Okay. One, two, three, twenty done. Hello, I'm Alice. Welcome to Fancy Fashions. Hi. Hello. Is there something I can help you find? I guess something fancy for evening, right, honey? Yeah, I guess. You know, I'm not good at stuff like this, Betty. Well, our evening dresses are right this way. Thanks. Thank you. Oh, I don't know, Doug. I don't think she'd want to wear a long dress. Well, here's a short one. Mm, that's pale yellow. You know, she only looks good in strong colors. I've never noticed. She's been your mother-in-law for over 40 years, and you haven't noticed? No, but I have noticed you look good in pale yellow. Oh, go on. I look better in pink. Ooh, here's one. I think she'd like this one. Yeah, I guess. Royal blue's one of her favorite colors. Goes with her eyes. Okay. What size is this? A 12. Hmm. What? That's her size. Do you think it'll fit her? How should I know? I mean, it looks big enough. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Excuse me, miss? Yes, ma'am? How true are these sizes? Oh, pretty true. That designer makes a more generous cut. Would you like to try it on? No, I mean, I would, but this is for my mom, and she's bigger than me. She has more your build. Say, would you mind trying this on so I can see the fit? I'd really appreciate it. Um, well... I, Please, I, you'd be doing me a big favor. Well, okay. I'll I'll just take it to the dressing room. Thanks. Thank you. I'll be right back. I can't believe I'm doing this. You're making you try it on? Yeah. Anything to make a commission, right? I guess. Here I am. Oh, it's so you. Shut <laughs> up. So, here I am. What do you think? Hmm. What do you think, Doug? Do you see Mother in that? Yeah, you know, she sort of looks like your mother. Same height, hairstyle. Are you sure you aren't related? Oh, stop it, Doug. Can't you see you're making the lady uncomfortable? My husband has such deadpan humor. Sorry, miss, if he's embarrassing you. Oh, no, that's fine. Don't worry about it. So, are we good? Can I change now? Oh, sorry, yes. Thank you. I think that's the one, honey. Yeah, good, great, fine. Let's get it and go. I'm starting to get claustrophobic. Well, here you are. Will that be cash, checker, charge? Visa. They'll probably cut the back of the dress anyway, but at least the royal blue will go well with the mauve satin lining of that coffin. <laughs> oh, just sign there, please. Thanks. We're sorry for your loss. Have a nice day. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I modeled for a corpse. That is so wrong. That's the funniest thing that's happened all year. Oh, I feel so creeped out. I'm going home to take a bath. Good idea. I'll come with you. Want to stop on your way home for some zombie fries or a mummy shake? <laughs> Keep it up, Sammy, and you'll be needing a dress soon. We're back again, and I'm going to play something completely different for you all, and it's called Crazy Cat. Now, Aaron, you have to tell me about this because this is way different than any of your other music that I have heard, and it hasn't even come out yet. I understand we are actually premiering this song um, to everyone in our audience and beyond. So tell me about this song because it's different. It's really cool. It's more electronic, I think. Yeah, it's... It's a blend of electronic sort of effects and acoustic instruments. I made the song at my friend's house when I, I moved back to the U.S. from Berlin, and I was staying at my friend's house in Massachusetts for a month. And he had these two kittens, and they were crazy. <laughs> it was so <laughs> incredibly amusing to watch. They would just, they would be, you'd forget that they were there for a minute, and then there would be like flash of lightning through the room, the two of them chasing each other up and down the stairs, getting in a box, jumping out of the box, getting back inside the box. Uh, you know, it was nonstop, and, and it was very, very amusing. So I was inspired to, to write a song for the, for the kittens, who are by now uh, full-grown cats. You know, I made the entire song on my laptop using acoustic instruments and the garage band effects. 
Mm-hmm. I had a fiddle that I used an octave effect on for, to get the bass lines out of, and I used some some in-house kind of drum things, and there was sort of a, a resophonic mandolin that I played on there. It was just kind of a funky, funny, silly, wacky uh, experiment that I ended up liking so much that I, I wanted to finish it, get it mastered, which I did, and going to get it released as soon as I can get the artwork together for it. Hopefully, by the time this show is on the air, it'll be available on iTunes or you know, CD Baby or Spotify or something. That's great. Now, who's singing with you? Or are you singing at all? Because it's, I... it's, it's just me. Just me singing. Uh, I put vocal effects on there. It's all pretty, pretty lo-fi. It is what I would recommend to do at home, but it's not like uh, really following the rules of uh, of making a high quality recording. Okay, all right. Um, well, it's it's, it's a lot of fun. Raw. It is definitely a lot of fun. All right, so let's play Crazy Cats, the world premiere of this really cool song. So. And now, another episode of Paul and Betty, an absent-minded scientist and his patient wife of 45 years. Do you have your e-ticket, Paul? I'm not sure. Is that a plane ticket? Yes, Paul. Then why isn't it called a P-ticket? Because we got it via email. Well, well, it is still an airline ticket, so technically it could be an AL ticket. Paul. Or an F-ticket. An F-ticket? Flight. Oh. Well, do you have it? I guess. Good. Then let's go. Okay. Where's your bag, Paul? It's right here. Paul. What? That's not luggage. Yes, it is. It's a bag, like you said before. Paul, that's a garbage bag. 
Yeah? You can't take a garbage bag on the plane, Paul. Why? It holds my clothes. Paul, I told you to pack a bag. I did. Never mind. Give me that. What are you doing? Packing for you. Why? That was a perfectly fine bag. It's my fault. I should have known better. Um, Paul? Yeah? What's this, Paul? Nothing. Paul? It's a potato. Why did you pack a raw potato? Well, you never know when it could come in handy. Were you planning to microwave it at the airport? No. Were you planning to eat it on the plane flight raw? No. Well, Paul, what do you need a potato for? We're staying at a hotel with room service. What if a bulb breaks? Excuse me? Well, if a bulb breaks in a socket, I can unscrew it with a potato. Uh-huh. And what if there's rust on the plane? Rust. Potatoes remove rust. Okay. And if I have to shine my shoes? Fine. Serves me right for marrying a scientist. They're all packed. Let's go. Okay. Do you have your ticket? The EAF or the AL ticket? All of them. Yes. Good. Bye, house. I'll miss you. That's nice, Paul. I know. Would you look at that? What are you on about, Essie? Those two across from us in the middle booth. What about them? They're texting. So what? Well, don't you find that annoying? Not particularly. They've been texting for over 15 minutes now. Maybe they have things to say. Oh, that's the point. They haven't said a word to each other. Well, maybe they have things to say to other people. Look at them. They're so absorbed. They could be in two different rooms and wouldn't even notice. Leave it alone, Essie. This younger generation has lost the art of communication. Yeah. I mean, eye contact, gestures, bannerism, speech. Yeah. In our day, we did not ignore the other person at the other side of a table. Yeah. Did you hear me, Amos? Yes, we didn't ignore the other person. We didn't have these contraptions either. What contraptions? You know, that thing they're looking at. Cell phones. Cell phones. I tell you, they should ban those things. It's just rude to be so preoccupied with the device, plain and simple. It's the younger generation. They don't know any better. So clueless and rude. Yeah. More coffee? Thank you, ma'am. Do you see that? One second. Uh, just want to finish this text. Okay, done. See what? That old man and woman in the booth across from us. Yeah, what about them? They haven't looked at each other since we got here. So? Well, don't you find it a little rude that he's reading the paper and she's just knitting? They're old. They probably ran out of things to say to each other. They could be in separate rooms and not even realize it. Whatever. Don't worry about it. Well, remind me not to do that when I'm old. Okay, Zoe, I'll remind you. I'll just put that in Google Reminder right now. Happy? You're funny. You're cute. I'm glad we communicate. Well, we still have something to say. Yeah. Yeah. Wanna go? You read my mind, Zoe. I always do. I always do. And we are back with Aaron Jonah Lewis, and I'm very excited to speak with you because I am a fan. Uh, as I said, I've been listening to your music now for many days, and I wish I would have known about you before, but now that I do, I'm not stopping. To I'm not stopping, and I'm always going to go and listen to your music. We are going to be playing "Put on Your Gray Bonnet," which is another song that I just love. Tell us something about that. Which band are you playing here with? This is the Corn Potato String Band. Okay. The Ears and Eyes of America. Uh-huh. We took this, this song is, you know, one of our sort of magnum opus kind of songs. It's a, it's a really a major undertaking for us. We have an instrument swap in the middle of the song. There's a three-part harmony going on. There's a double banjo arrangement in the middle of the song of uh, Swanee River. It's kind of a, an epic journey, if you will. It's an old song. It's about 100 years old. It was very popular when it was first came out. The Mills Brothers recorded it years after it was out, you know, in the 30s, I think, was one of their first recordings of it. And the Mills Brothers, of course, this wonderful vocal quartet, uh, sometimes 
incredible singers, really fun arrangements of songs, and we were inspired by that to try and take some of that energy and translate it into fiddle and banjo music. That's what we've done with Put On Your Old Grey Bonnet. We liked it so much that we named our album after that song. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to put on the song and we'll be back. Put on your old gray bonnet with the blue ribbon on it and we'll hitch old Dobbin to the shade. Through the fields of clover we'll go down to Dover on our golden wedding day. Gray bonnet, ribbon on it, old Dobbin, shade, fields of clover. Get over here. Come on, Butch. Carl needs us. What do you want, Carl? What do you mean, what do I want? We're here to break into this house. That's what I want. Now listen. The lights went off about an hour ago, so they should be sound asleep by now. After I jimmy the window open, Dimitri, you crawl in and then open the front door to let Butch and I in. Butch, as soon as Dimitri lets you in, I want you to stand at the bottom of the stairs and make sure no one wakes up and comes down to see what's going on. And then I want to... Where are the stairs? How do I know? They have to be somewhere on the first floor. Just find them and stand at the bottom. You want me to follow Butch and wait at the bottom of the stairs with him? No. I want you to take this pork chop and give it to the dog. If they have one. Then I want you to go... Is it a big dog or a little dog? How do I know? There might not even be a dog. Besides, what difference does it make? Well, I didn't eat any dinner tonight and I'm hungry. So I'm thinking... If it's a little dog, I can eat some of the pork chop, and there'd still be enough left for the dog. You know, because if he's little, he probably doesn't eat that much anyways. Okay, smarty pants. And what if it is a big dog? You won't have enough pork chop to keep him calm, and then he'll bite you. You want to get bitten by a dog that might not be there just because he didn't have enough sense to eat dinner tonight? No, that, that would hurt, I think. Don't think. Just do what I tell you. Dimitri, what are you doing? I only took a small bite. Don't worry, Carl. I'll save some. Well, you're the one who's going to get bit. But uh, I guess that's better than your stomach growling and waking everyone up. Hey, you want a bite? No. Save it for the dog, if there is one. Huh. 
I never would have thought about bringing a pork chop to a burglary to distract a dog that might not even be there. Man, you think of everything. Well, sometimes you just gotta know these things. By the way, where's Butch? I don't know. He was here a minute ago. Hey, there he is, looking out the window. Hey, Butch, open the window so we can get in. Butch, what the heck are you doing? Give me your hand and I'll help lift you through the window. You're an idiot. What? You want me to help Dimitri through first? No. I want you to close the window and wait for us to come through the door. But I thought you said you were coming through the window. Just close the window. We'll be right in. Oh, that guy never listens. Shut up. You're an idiot, too. Sure you don't want some of this pork chop? It's delicious. I don't believe this. Well, I'll take that as a no. You don't know what you're missing. Oh, trust me. I know exactly what I'm missing. Come on, we got work to do. Okay. First we're gonna... Where the heck is Butch? Why does he keep disappearing like that? Butch, where are you? In the kitchen. What are you doing in the kitchen? I'm going to pet the dog. I told you to wait at the bottom of the stairs just in case. Dog? Yeah, he's so cute. I think he's a Rottweiler. Butch? Get in here now! Oh, he doesn't sound very happy. Neither do I. Dimitri, maybe now would be a good time to give the dog the pork chop. I can't. Sure you can. Just toss it on the floor in front of him. No, I mean I can't. Dimitri, just toss the damn pork chop. It's gone. I ate it. All right, who's down there? Way to go, Butch. What did I do? If you went to the bottom of the stairs like I told you, we wouldn't be in this mess. I've called the police, and they're on the way. Carl, what do we do now? And I have a gun. Run! Yikes! Get out of my way! Ouch! The dog just bit Yikes. me! Excuse me, sir. Dimitri, no! Don't worry, Carl. I'm not going to say anything about us planning to rob this place or any of the others. I just want to know if they're serving breakfast in the morning. I'm hungry. Shut up, Dimitri, and put your hands up before you get shot. Oh, I hope they have pancakes. I'm getting real worried about Blossom and Willow. You too, huh? Yeah. They keep talking that lingo, and I can't understand half of what they say. Why can't they just talk normal? And nothing but arguing. From both of them. Every time I open my mouth, and I'm getting tired of it. It'd be nice if Willow would cut his hair to a decent length and maybe comb it once in a while. I can't even begin to describe the hairstyle Blossom has. It's like she doesn't even care. Not to mention the way they act, the way they talk, and the way they dress. Willow wears those old shirts and jeans that are all patched up and full of holes. What about Blossom? You can see right through her shirts, and she won't wear a bra. Like there's no pride with either one of them. Same thing with the people they hang out with. No respect. I don't get it. Look, from now on, I don't want any of their friends hanging around here. Our friends don't even want to come visit anymore. It's embarrassing. Besides... What? Something else happened? Did I tell you I caught them sneaking out of the house the other night at 2 a.m.? Where the heck were they going at 2 a.m.? They were going to hook up with the friends they hang out with in Thin Man's basement and smoke pot like they usually do. They don't know that I know, but I do. They think we're stupid, you know. What'd you do? I confronted them, of course, but they denied it. And while we were standing there arguing, a bag of weed fell out of Willow's pant leg. Wow. I totally lost it at that point and made them watch me as I flushed it down the toilet right in front of them. I think things are getting worse and it's not like we haven't already talked to them about any of this. What we need to do is sit them down and have it out. Once and for all. We can't keep doing this. Something has to change. You're right. We should do it now while we're still angry. Not give them a chance to pull that innocent act. What's the problem? Everyone's doing it. Oh, I'd like to smack them. Careful. I can report you to the authorities. Don't worry. I love them too much to ever lay a hand on them. 
I'm just frustrated is all. Yeah, me too. Let's get them in here and read them the riot act. Blossom! Willow! Get in here now, please! Jeez, I could have yelled across the house. I guess. Here they come. Hey, what's up, man? Why don't you two sit down for a minute? We need to talk. What? We weren't doing anything. Yeah, me and Blossom were just, like, hanging out, man. First off, neither one of us is named Man, and we don't appreciate the lack of respect coming from either one of you. And second, we don't like that you two are smoking pot or anything else you're doing. We told you before, no drug use, period. Whoa, you're freaking me out. What, you gonna dime us out to the fuzz? Look, you're both old enough to understand the rules. If you can't live with those rules, then you're forcing us to take some steps we would rather not take. I don't think you can talk to us like that. Oh, really? And why not? Because we're your parents, that's why. Too bad. Now go to your room, and don't come out till the 60s are over. Far out, man. That was heavy. Come on, Blossom. Let's split this scene. We'll burn a doobie and mellow out over at Thin Man's. He's cool. Hope he doesn't mind if we crash there. This place is a real bummer. Yeah, dig it. Finally, we are going to be playing another really cool song. And we're here again with Aaron Jonah Lewis. This song is called Bell Anchor Rag. I love rags anyway, but I really, really like this song. What inspired you to write this one? You know, I wrote this in the same time period as I was sort of languishing at my friend's house. I wasn't entirely languishing. I was hanging out, having a good time, playing a lot of music. But I also had a lot of time to myself, and I, I got the inspiration for this song partly from my favorite fiddle player, one of my favorite fiddle players, whose name was Fiddle and Arthur Smith, Tennessee Fiddler, who was one of the early Grand Ole Opry fiddle players. He is a big inspiration to me. I love his style. Very, very fun, very flashy. And the name of the tune comes from the Bell and Anchor, which was the pub where we were playing every week. Hmm. So it's a twin fiddle piece, and I, I love twin fiddling. I love double banjos. That's one of the main sort of features of the corn potato string band is to do a lot of those twin fiddles and double banjos. It's, it's very special, very unusual. can be pretty technical, very difficult to pull off, but of course that's not the point. Entertainment is the point. So it's a it's a bright, cheerful tune and it's uh yeah, it's got a, a pretty tight harmony, pretty fun vibe to it. All right. Well, before we play this, I just want to thank you again very much, Aaron, for being on our show. This is Aaron Jonah Lewis um, from the Corn Potato String Band, also from the world premiere band called Soft Gel. All of Aaron's songs will be linked on to our musicians page. All you have to do is go to kbcabaret.com, link onto the musicians page and find Aaron Jonah Lewis and his music. And again, Aaron, it's been a pleasure. And I'm Thank re- you so much, Bree. I've had a delightful time chatting with you. Tell me one thing before we do sign off. Did you finish your pretzel? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good. <laughs> Can't go wrong with a pretzel. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll sign off now. <laughs> On that note, and listen to Bell Anchor Rag. Thanks again, Aaron.
all for today's show. I'd like to thank all our guests for being on KB Cabaret. I'm always awed with the amazing talent out there. Thank you to my hardworking crew, co-writers, and actors John Kerry and John Montgomery, actors Judy McMahon, Bonnie DeForest, my amazing sound engineer, actor, and newlywed Charles Berman, his assistant Valentine Montrega, my music engineer David Rice of Basement Studio, who makes me sound better than I am. And a special shout-out to Christina Danella, who plays one mean piano and now works in musical theater in New York City. Of course, a special thank you to you, dear KB Cabaret audience, for stopping by and listening to our show. We certainly couldn't do this without you. If any of you have a hankering to write or sing for our show, contact me, Bree Harvey, through the show's submission page, and let me see what you got. And sponsors, do you want your name heard by over 150,000 listening audience members all over the country and as far as Australia? Hello, mates. Then KB Cabaret is the place to be. Just give me a shout-out on kbcabaret.com. That's K-B-K-A-B-A-R-E-T dot com. I'm Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of KB Cabaret. See you next week on the radio. share our parlor city. Come back again now to KB Cabaret.